0: Are taking over your airwaves in three, two, one. One, one, one. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge.
1: Hello, everyone. Happy New Year's Eve. From the Binge Buster Show, I am excited about this week's show. Uh, It's New Year's Eve, and uh, we are in our season finale of the Binge Buster Show 2020, Uh, and maybe it's a good thing because 2020 has definitely not been the greatest years uh, for sure. Um, But before I get started, I want to bring on my co-hosts. Chris Plano and Jeff Patton. Guys, Happy New Year's.
0: Happy New Year, Tony and Jeff. I can't believe it's New Year's Eve and we're getting a ring in 2021 here in just a few hours and uh, boy, I'm ready to get 2020 behind me.
1: I'm telling you, it's been a crazy... Amen to
0: that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, amen to that, both of you. I feel the same way and uh, Happy New Year's to all of our uh, listeners out there as well.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, guys, last week's show, uh, Christmas Day, uh, it was a tremendous show. I got a lot of feedback on that. Uh, a lot of people enjoyed the season's beatings uh, episode that we've done. Uh, but tonight's episode um, is is pretty exciting. Uh, not only is it our season finale, but uh, the three of us, between the three of us, we probably have about sixty. 60- well, no, probably longer than that, uh, 30, 40, probably between the three of us, there's about 90 years worth of, uh, or even probably more than that, but of, of wrestling history between the three of us. And I thought instead of sitting around and breaking down a certain show, uh, our season finale, as as our season has went by, we have talked about, Lots of uh, different major wrestling events that took place. Um, but tonight we are going to be talking our top three matches or events in wrestling that has really captivated the, the three of us. Um, and we're going to be talking about that here in just a couple of moments. Um, as far as uh, this week's podcast, uh, we are talking uh, the the three uh Ma- matches or events in wrestling history that that would that touched us and made us go, I gotta get in wrestling or I love wrestling, um, and I figure that we will start the uh, start the show off, uh, Jeff, with you, uh, and and I think guys that the format we'll do we'll go back and forth, you know, we'll go to Jeff, Chris, me, and then we will just keep going back until we get our uh, three matches in, uh, but Jeff, we're gonna start with you. Well,
2: no doubt about it. My favorite wrestling match of all time would have to be and favorite event as well, uh, Starrcade 85, uh, The Gathering. And, of course, it was the I Quit match between Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard. Uh, Just the match was so intense, uh, so bloody, so believable um, that uh, it it just, uh, the the first time I saw it, I, I fell in love with with the match and wrestling all in all together and just a a great match.
1: Yeah, I agree. Chris, what, what are your thoughts on this match?
0: I I, I mean, I mean, whatever nine we pick together tonight, I mean, it's all going to be good. I mean, the whole show from top to bottom, I mean, you know, you could talk about it for hours, you know, that particular match, I mean, It was so believable, and and Magnum at that particular time was just so over. I mean, it was just, it was a great time for wrestling and a great time for the NWA, and uh, (laughs) that might would have sold all the tickets to get into the arena that evening, if not, you know, another match or two, but that match was just so over, and it was a great storyline at that time.
1: Yeah, and what I liked about that match uh, was not only um, – I, I was watching an interview the other day about uh, with Magnum T.A., and he was talking. He said that um, when he first met Tully Blanchard in 1982, Tully told him. He said, Magnum, he goes, I may not be the world champion, and I may not be uh, the most popular wrestler in the world, but I promise you this, I'm going to be the best heel in the history of professional wrestling. That was, Magnum said that, that that was his goal. Tully's goal was to be the most hated heel in, in pro wrestling history. And he's pretty, I mean, I, I, you know, Tully has got a mean streak. If you go back and look at the four horsemen, almost every member in the horsemen, they had fans. But nobody liked Tully. Nobody. You know, no matter what Tully done, the fans hated Tully you know, they would like flair. They would, they would sometimes cheer for, for Barry. They would cheer for Arn, but very rarely did you ever find anybody that liked Tully. And it was just because of that was it. That was his demeanor. That was his, uh, that was his goal. And I, and I think he, he reached that because, uh, you know, Tully in my opinion was, uh, was always one of my favorite, um, heels, um, you know, in, in wrestling. So, uh, definitely a good match there, Jeff. Uh, Chris, we're going to go to you now for for yours.
0: Okay, so this is my greatest match of all time. Or are we going from top to bottom, bottom up, or does How it really you, matter?
1: However you want to go. I'm for me, I'm I'm going to go bottom to top.
0: All right, I'm going to go bottom to top as well. And this one might catch you all a little off guard, but I'm going to go back to October '83. And I saw this live on television on Monday night on the USA Network. We're going pre-Monday Night Raw, pre-anything. This was when they showed wrestling from Madison Square Garden in the Northeast at that time when they came to the Garden and also to the Cap Center in Landover, Maryland on USA Network. I'm going to go because I was just in awe for the WWF Intercontinental title. Don Morocco, and Jimmy Snuka in the steel cage in Madison Square Garden. Yes. Both covered in blood, bleeding profusely, as Gorilla Monsoon would say. And when I saw Jimmy Snuka climb to the top of that cage, and not only climbed, but stood there as well, that place was going ballistic. And for me, as a 12-year-old kid, that was, like, (laughs) bigger than anything. So... That might be a little curveball, but to me, I thought that was a great defining moment at that time in professional wrestling for that particular match, and it wasn't even for the heavyweight championship; it was for the Intercontinental title.
1: Right. Yeah, and th- and that's amazing. And one of the things that I've, I've heard um, was that uh, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Mick Foley, uh, was at that. He, he he was at that show, and he said he hitchhiked to get there because he wanted to see uh Morocco and Snuka. So um it's definitely a good match. Jeff, what what are your thoughts on this one?
2: I totally agree and I think didn't didn't Mick Foley say that uh, that was what made him want to get into wrestling was that match right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. If,
2: yeah, I mean yeah, incredible. Uh I you know, Jimmy Snuka and Don Morocco, um I there I was speechless when I the first time I saw this match, especially when Luka climbed to the top of the cage. I mean, that was unheard of
0: back in 1983. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that and it was.
0: I, I think the, the, the storyline at this point was just so over. well. It was just, it was, it was the perfect setting. I mean, and, and even, I mean, Snuka didn't even win the match, but that's all they needed to see everyone. And, and it was on, I mean, at that point And, he took, I think, steel cage matches to the next level just just with that.
1: Well, I remember seeing an interview one time with uh, uh, Mick Foley, and he said that when he was on top of the cage with The Undertaker, uh, in his mind he pictured going back, and he said time kind of stood still for a second because he was like, wait a minute, this is this is like Snooka, but I'm a <laughs> hell of a lot up higher than Snooker was. But uh, And, of course, he landed on something a whole lot harder than the ring but uh you know a great match chris uh r- a really really good match to get us started now mine uh mine i'm I'm a little um i, I, I don't use the word prejudice on this one but uh but i favor this match a lot uh, for a couple reasons number one uh one of my favorite wrestlers uh was involved in it and no it's not jimmy vail unfortunately but but this this match took place on my birthday in 1985 um, and it really solidified this this guy as being a top babyface in the National Wrestling Alliance. And I'm talking about the cage match on television. Uh, the United States heavyweight champion, Chief Wahoo McDaniel, defended against the newcomer to the NWA, um, the uh, vastly popular, as Tom Miller would say, Magnum TA. Um, this match took up the whole uh, hour of uh, worldwide wrestling. Uh, but this match was it actually aired on um, March the 30th, but it actually was recorded and, and uh, took place on March the 23rd. My birthday there at the old um, Independence Arena Charlotte Coliseum. Uh, but Magnum T.A. out of nowhere hits the belly to belly on Wahoo. The place erupts and Magnum becomes U.S. champion. And from there, Magnum was known as the boss. And, uh, and I think that, that that match put Magnum on the map. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, definitely. That was one. I, another match that I'll never forget. Uh, that to me was, all right, Magnum has arrived in the mid-Atlantic area now uh, in the NWA. Uh, yeah, I'm
0: going <laughs> to echo what Jeff says there. I mean, you know, great matchup. And I, I vaguely do remember it as well. I mean, it was uh, a defining moment for, for Magnum and a great opportunity in the spotlight um, as well. And, and, you know, kind of almost like the rest is history from that point.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, now, Chris, we'll, we'll, we'll go to you for the for the second match. What What is your second event or match in wrestling history?
0: Boy, I, you know, I've been tossing between these two. Uh Tony, since you told me about a week or two ago about this, and and, and I'm still tossing it to now. Um and, and and I'm gonna go my number one pick is not I was gonna say this the best wrestling match ever, but I think it was the best defining moment in professional wrestling. So I'm gonna stick with that as my number one. For my number two I'm going to go 1989 with the Flair Steamboat Trilogy. Yes. I, you know, I'm not going to doubt Ric Flair. Ric Flair in numerous interviews has said he thought that was the best wrestling matches that he wrestled in his career. And who am I to doubt (laughs) him at all or anyone else?
1: Right. For Um, sure.
0: uh, You know, you know, they wrestled, you know, in Chicago, in Chattanooga, in Nashville between February and May uh, with Flair saying he felt that the second of the three matches may have been the best. Um, so I'm putting that as my second where I do want to come come south a little bit and, you know, give some accolades in 89. And, and myself having the chance to see Flair take on Steamboat in New Haven, Connecticut, during that that time as well was was truly special, but the trilogy definitely I think takes it for for the first half of '89.
1: For sure, uh, Jeff, your your thoughts?
2: Uh, that was gonna be uh, you know I was kind of leaning toward that as probably my second, but yeah, man, great choice. Uh, um, all three matches were absolutely incredible, and uh, those two just when they they got in the business together, uh, I. You know, uh, I, they started, uh, uh, were trained by Vern Gagne in in the AWA in Minnesota. And uh, um, so they pretty much started together, uh, ended up in Crockett's territory together, uh, started feuding uh, each other uh, then. And, uh, man, just any time those two got in the ring together, it was magic. I mean, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, yeah for sure i mean i, I had the uh, opportunity chris also to uh during 1989 to uh watch a couple of those uh uh matches between uh, uh steamboat and flair at a couple house shows in greensboro and man i'm just like how, how in the world are they gonna top this It <laughs> just kept you know going back and forth and uh uh you know to to this day, you talk to people a lot, wrestlers and fans alike, and they will tell you that Steamboat and Flair captivated people. And one of the things about Flair and Steamboat matches, if you go back and watch their matches, they never done the same thing in the match. Like they, you know, a lot of guys, if 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 they, excuse me, if they're going, you know, thirty minutes or so, you know, they might run the same spot a couple of times and just kind of change it up, but all those uh, major uh, television shows uh, that, 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 that steamboat and flair appeared on uh, the matches never were identical. They never were. And that, and, and that right there just, you know, it says a lot uh, about the uh, work ethic of both of those guys.
0: Absolutely. And uh, to, of the best in the business, if not the best, there's really not much more to say. And, uh, you know, the, the magnitude of what they did um, was incredible for the wrestling business.
1: For sure. Jeff, your number two pick. Um,
0: you know, I
2: was I was thinking about, uh, you know, Crockett Cup 2 with Ric Flair and Barry Windham, but I, I changed my mind. But, I mean, that was a great match. But to me, it was July, I want to say the 4th or the 6th. In 1987, it was at uh, Atlanta, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, that's where the first one was, during the Great American Bash, the very first War Games. It was just such a unique idea that Dusty Rhodes came up with, and it was the four horsemen, which was Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and Lex Luger with their manager. J.J. Dillon was in the ring as well, two rings actually, Two rings enclosed by a cage, cage on the top. And then you had the other team was uh, Dusty Rose, Nikita Koloff, Hawk and Animal, the Road Warriors, and Paul Ellering. And, I mean, just the concept, uh, the the match was so intense, so believable, blood everywhere. uh, And then, of course, uh, the finish where J.J. actually did hurt his shoulder. uh, Just an incredible match
0: start to finish
1: yeah very good I, I I definitely enjoyed that one Chris your thoughts
0: I I, I mean the war games I mean you got to tip your hat to the American dream dusty road just the whole concept of, of the war games um, you know it drew me in from afar watching this uh, you know up in Connecticut back in the day I was like this is something different this is something special you don't see this every day, and you know it's you know it's going to be a brawl. You know it's going to there's going to be blood. There's going to be guys who you know in my mind back in the day it could end their career. You know back you know as a young kid, and it was incredible. And that's really what drew me to the NWA and the different concepts that they had that were so vastly different from other wrestling organizations and, and especially the WWF back at that time.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it it was a crazy time. Um, But, yeah, that was definitely some good stuff. Mine, uh, my number two, it was very hard. I got these two matches, and I can't determine which one I want to be number one. Um, But uh, I will go with this one, 1990. uh, and, And I know there was probably better matches in the 80s, but in 1990... Uh, they, uh, the very first WCW pay per view that came back to Greensboro, um, was Wrestle War 90. And the match, if the most entertaining with the best spots and everything included, um, was definitely the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express. Uh, they even got the referee and Jim Cornette to almost fight, uh, just spot after spot. And it was just amazing. Uh, and I really think that they stole the show that night there at, uh, wrestle war 90. Yeah. Anytime
2: you put the rock and roll express, the instrument, Midnight express, it was, uh, magical. I mean, uh, to me, the, the greatest tag team feud of all time, bar none. I don't think there's any, anyone that comes even close.
1: I agree, Chris. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I'm going to echo what Jeff says. I, I, I mean, you got Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express. It doesn't matter who was on the Midnight Express side. You know, it's it's going to be a brawl, and you know, Ricky and Robert are going to give it all they have as as well. And uh, you know, they just played on everyone's emotions, both sides uh, of the ring, and uh, the best probably tag team wrestling, you know at that time and, and, and potentially maybe of all time. Um, you know, when you look at it and, you know, you know what you're going to get and you're going to get four guys giving it their all in their night in and night out, I mean, especially that particular event.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, now let, let's see, now, now we're, we're on our third and final moment. And, Jeff, I'm going to go to you on this one.
2: Okay. <clears throat> I thought I'm going to go a little different. Um, I'm going to go with my favorite match or that I was involved in. I know it's kind of different. And it's no, I, I not said my, that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, now listen, the whole 20, 30 years I you know ran a, a wrestling company and organization, I mean, it's not the greatest match in the history of my organization, but to me, I think it's the most memorable match I was ever in. And to me, it's probably my greatest match in my career. Um, At the time, um, it was back in 1998. uh, At the time, um, I had dropped weight. I was down to like 225 pounds, which for me was uh, really great. I was in the best shape I'd been in years. And um, it was a match I had with, it was February the 7th. Uh, 1998. Uh, I had with uh, Dangerous Donnie, uh, Big Donnie Webb, and um, Donnie normally is 300, 350 pounds, you know, about that weight. Even he had lost a ton of weight. He was down to like 230, 220.
1: Yep, I remember. And that. we
2: we had a match that was so unbelievable. And I still remember to this day, after the match was over, Donnie won, but it wasn't the you know that Donnie won. It was just the match was so intense and so good that when we come back to the dressing room, every wrestler in the dressing room was at the door watching the match, and we walked in, all of them high-fived us, you know, hell of a match, blah, 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 whatever. Everybody was, and it was just so incredible to see. You know, I've never had that happen to me before and never have since to have all the wrestlers at the dressing room waiting on us to man, that was an incredible match and, and that was a really cool deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh I remember that. It was just it was an amazing time. Uh and it's like one of those things where you, you work somebody uh a million times, but then you have that one match that just really captivates people. And I and I think that happens, you know, not not very often, so it's kind of a special time. And,
2: yeah, and the funny part is, is I ended up eating crow. Any of you guys ever eat crow? Oh yeah. Because I remember, <laughs> I remember when Donnie first came in. I looked at my brother uh, and I said, "He's never going to make it. But he's too out of shape. He's too overweight. I said he'll never make it. And here I, you know, years later, it was like, wow, <laughs> five years later. We had uh, probably the best match in my career.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Jeff, you you, you had two guys that uh, came and worked for you that nobody, everybody said wouldn't make it, and they're the ones that's still going. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. And you know, I mean, those are the two guys that I had some of my best matches with, and of course, uh, you know, teamed with you for a number of years, and was my my best uh, favorite tag team partner. And so, yeah, I mean. Um, just, uh, it's funny, man, how yep. he'll never make it. He'll never make it, but you know, Chris with will and determination.
1: Yeah. You know. Well, and, and, and I think that's what drove me because Chris, when, when I first met Jeff, uh, I was up there and I walked in the door and I said, Hey, my name's Tony. Uh, I want to be a wrestler. And Jeff, I, 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 to this day, Jeff, I can still see the look on your face. Like, are you kidding me right now? This, this little 125 pound dude just walked in the door with this long ass mullet wanting to be a wrestler. Um, so, so Jeff told me just come back next week. And I was like, okay, next week I'm, I'm, I'm right back next week. And, um, so, so Jeff was like, uh, I'm gonna let you be a manager. And I said, no, I don't be a manager. I want to be a wrestler. That's what I want to do. And so Jeff's like, well, you know, you, 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 you got to come to my, to my camp. And, so I come to the wrestling school that he had going there at the time, and uh, there was a lot of big guys in that thing, man. There was a bunch of guys, um, and at the end of I don't know how many months went by, but at the end of it, I was the last one there. The rest of them had quit, <laughs> you know, they'd quit, wow. and and Jeff was like, uh, I, I remember Jeff's brother uh, had told me he's like, yeah, I told Jeff we can't run that kid off, man. We beat him up and he comes back every week, so we. <laughs> We uh we uh got to we 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 got to let him do something, and uh, so I did, you know. And I just but, but 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 that's what it was. Like I heard people say, you know, this this guy's too small, whatever. But at the time, Jeff was able to bring in uh, another guy that was actually working for Smoky Mountain Wrestling, um, but he dones a hood and nobody knew who he was. And I got a lot of my early training uh, through him as well before I went, you know, up to Boogie's camp. But um, you know. And and th- and that's probably one of the reasons why I mean, but but besides the fact that Jeff and I are re- are really good friends, but the fact that you know I've always told Jeff and and this, this is something I've told him a bunch of times and and I'll sit here on 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 live air, but I told him, uh, no matter who is running shows, I'm gonna be the most dedicated to Jeff because Jeff was the one guy that uh that originally uh gave me my opportunity to live my dream and live out my dream. And, um, and, and I feel like, and I've told this before too, it's a debt I'll never be able to pay back. Uh, but I'll right. do my best, you know? And, uh, right. but it's, it's just a, uh, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing that the circle of life, how, how life can be.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Jeff, great story there. And, uh, you know, you know, as I would always say to any wrestler or anyone, you know, and that was, I mean, just listening to you, how you said that with, with, with passion and, and grace and walking back to the ring, even back to the locker room saying, wow, I gave it my all tonight. I know the guy across the ring gave it all. I think at the end of the day, it's always about the fans, you know. Yeah. And get getting their money's worth. And if, if that makes you feel good, then, you know, you've, you've done your job. I, I think if you can go back through the curtain and say, I gave it all I had. Each and every night, no matter who with cross you in the ring, and um, you know, kudos to you on that one. You know, you know, for your for your top one.
1: Yep. So, Chris, what is your top one?
0: Boy, well, um, this is definitely not the best wrestling match of all time, and you guys probably know where I'm leaning towards and, and things like that. But I think it was the most defining moment in professional wrestling history um you you, you know for for me growing up I you know I'm not saying it was the pinnacle but I think you know it made a lot of money for everyone across the board all wrestling promotions from top to bottom you know I gotta go back to 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 March of 1987 and Wrestlemania 3 yeah and you know I'm a 16 year old kid and when you hear Gorilla Monsoon yelling there's 93,000 plus, you know, greeting the heavyweight champion of the world. And he's coming down the Pontiac Silverdome and, you know, Andre's in the ring. It wasn't Hogan and Andre's first match, so they built it up like it was, you know. I think at that point it was probably the best moment in professional wrestling. Um, You know. It was not the best match by any means, but it served a purpose on many different levels. And I've watched the match many times over, and Jeff might be able to help me with this. And Hogan has said this in interviews. Even going to the ring, he was still a tad unsure which way Andre was going with things with this. Though Vince was assured him, (laughs) <laughs> what was going to happen, but I think for professional wrestling it was a great moment in time at that particular time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, that that event was just tremendous, uh, and if I remember, you guys crit me on this, but uh wasn't that like one of the very first extremely long WrestleManias? Like, they had a ton of matches on that. Uh, and that show lasted like 5 hours is that right
0: Yes I would say so
1: cuz I remember uh, yeah, yeah the reason why at I least say four that 4 hours Yeah cuz I remember as a kid uh going to the video store to rent it, uh and it came all, when when you rented WrestleMania 3 it came with two VHS tapes now guys now we're really telling our age here but right. y- you you had to get two tapes to get the whole show um so, uh, so that, 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 that's what made me think of it. And of course, uh, you know, uh, this, th- this, isn't on my list, but, uh, there were, there were two defining, uh, events or matches on that show. Of course, one Hogan and Andre, but, uh, Savage and Steamboat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I definitely remember that match. Uh, you know, it's funny because when people talk eighties wrestling and who was the biggest stars, they say Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Dusty Rhodes, but people sometimes forget Andre the Giant. I mean, Andre yes. the Giant, especially in the early '80s. I mean, man, when he came to to and when he came to the to the arena uh, to wrestle wherever. I mean, he drew a lot of money and packed the arenas everywhere across the country for whatever promotion he was working for. So. Uh, you know, Andre was you know the eighth wonder of the world, no doubt about it. And to see him, uh, you know, the the one big match with he and Hogan, uh, where you know Andre had been the, the babyface forever and the most one of the most popular wrestlers forever, and Hogan, of course, as popular as he was, and for Andre to turn heel and uh, to wrestle Hogan at WrestleMania, that was a huge day, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: I mean, I think it was definitely the passing of the baton. That was yeah. the match because I, I still think there was some skepticism about Hogan even at that point in yeah. his career. With the this is it, we're passing the baton, and and it served a lot of purposes. And and you know, I got to see Andre wrestle live many times, and my first time seeing him. I think I was maybe eight or nine years old in the late 70s, and when he walked the aisle, he was head and shoulder above the crowd.
1: It oh, yeah, I bet.
0: Un, it was unbelievable. I mean, just to see it, you see him in the ring, you're like, this is bigger than life. <laughs> this is, I mean, and I think of other guys, like I've seen Haystack Calhoun wrestle live. There's just images, superstar Billy Graham, Hulk Hogan, and the list goes on and on. There's just images that just sit in your mind. You see Flair walk the aisle, you know, that just stick with you forever.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, it, it, you know, talking about the, the 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 big wrestler that really, oh my, oh my God, he's, he's bigger in real life than he is on TV. Um, I think for me uh, that I got to see live would probably be The Undertaker. Um, like you see him on television, you think, okay, he's the undertaker, whatever. But I remember, uh, being in Greensboro one night for a Monday night raw and it's the rock versus the undertaker, man. And when the undertaker came out, I'm like, Holy smokes. This guy is, and cause I had ringside seats, man. And I was like, my God, he is huge. Like I, I had no idea how big he was. I mean, I, I, I assumed he was big, but Television doesn't do it, you know. Do do those guys like that justice? That are like, you know, six, 10, 7 feet tall, whatever. Uh, it's just amazing how you know how big they are.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, that's really what it's all about is to, to see them live. And you know, you see them off of television. And back in the day, you know, all three of us we were running down to the newsstands to get the monthly magazines.
1: Yeah. well yeah. I mean,
0: let's be honest here. I mean, and then you saw them in person. It was bigger than light.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're like, Oh my gosh, you just don't realize how big they are until you see them. Uh, well, my, my number one match of all time. Um, of course we, we have our honorable mentions, uh, you know, flare and steamboat, of course, rock and roll at midnight. Um, And, of course, Andre and Hogan and Tully and Magnum. Um, But I think the one match that I consider the greatest match ever, because it's a match that you never thought you'd ever see, but all three of us got to see this match together, even though we're sitting in different sections, except for Jeff and I, we're in the same section. But uh, September seventeenth, 1995, Asheville Civic Center, Ric Flair versus Arn Anderson. That match right there, even though the finish was was kind of screwy, but just being able to witness that match, I think that that was a a, a very special moment in time.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Flair and Arn, and I, I think I've told the story before, but uh, Arn Anderson said on his podcast, he said, he said I actually threw up, he vomited before he went to the ring. He was so nervous. He said, I've never been that nervous before, but I was so nervous, wrestling player. I
0: I mean, it was the match. Probably no one would ever think would ever happen. It was even unthinkable, but it happened. And it was special. Um, Yeah, but I, I, I can get the butterflies throwing up like, I mean, but, you know, at the time, it was, it, was a, it was a great time, you know, for it to happen. But it's also some of the unimaginable at the same time. And uh, I never thought I would see it, but
1: I did. Yeah, yeah, it was, very, uh, it was a very special time. Um, and I definitely, uh, I like the angle how they uh, just, you know, suckered Sting in there in the, in the final. Uh, I think they, they uh, drug this, this angle out about three months. Uh, but it's very good. I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, but now, one other thing I, I, I want to just mention here: uh, another turning point in wrestling that um, that you know I, I think really really um, excited people and got people more interested in wrestling uh, would have to be uh, Bash at the Beach '96 when Hogan finally turned heel and joined the NWO. Uh, I think that that moment was also a uh, a definitely um, uh, uh, s- sitter as far as a trend sitter uh, for the Monday Night Wars.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and it was on my list. It was kind of it was there. Um, you know, even kind of even when Nash even and Hall showed up for the first time, that was on my list as well. Definitely Hogan turning. Again, no one's seeing that coming. But, yeah, it needs to be talked about because it was a defining moment in the 90s for wrestling and and to where it was was moving forward. So, absolutely.
2: Yeah, you can – yeah, I mean, we can look back at a lot of moments that changed wrestling. I mean, how about when, uh, you know, the – what was it? When Vince McMahon shows up on WTBS where Georgia championship wrestling is supposed to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, how about that? Or you can look at, okay, the sale of the NWA from Jim Crockett promotions to Ted Turner. I mean, you know, you get, the list goes on and on At Uh, you know, all the many changes over the years that, uh, you know, left their uh, mark on wrestling. Yeah. For the future.
1: Definitely been a lot of them. And, and I'm sure in the next year, uh, I say next year like it's a long time off it's a couple of days tomorrow but uh but any event um you know we're we're definitely in season uh season 3 coming up uh, on the binge buster show we're going to be going in deeper uh on uh topics of um major shows um and ma- and not just major shows but uh uh territorial uh shows such as Christmas star Wars and world-class championship wrestling and the, uh, parade of champions in world-class championship wrestling. And then of course we'll touch on some WWF, uh, and, um, definitely some NWA and, and tons more. So I'm excited about, uh, season three of the binge buster show. Um, but guys, before we go off the air tonight and get ready to go celebrate, uh, the ball dropping and all this good stuff. Um, what I like to do is, uh, just uh you know wish you guys a uh a happy new year and of course thank both of you guys for helping this podcast um you know, go each week um you know you guys donate your time and your and your um uh, and your thoughts and and uh, to the show and I, and I appreciate it a lot but uh real quick before we go off the air uh you guys have any new year's resolutions Well uh, go
0: yeah, ahead. I'm, Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I I for
2: one, I mean, I just hope and pray that two thousand twenty one is a whole better year. Uh and we get this uh Covid nineteen behind us and uh of course uh you know, me it's uh, definitely got to drop some weight. I've gained some weight over the last uh three or four months and doctor visit wasn't uh, as uh, good as it should be this past time so uh, i promised the old doctor i'd drop some weight before i see him again so uh, that's my new year's resolution
0: boy jeff i'm gonna echo you there uh you know yeah the last time i actually worked out i'm gonna be asking you guys was march 13th before all this craziness broke out here in the united states last march and Uh, Yeah, I can afford to lose a few pounds here and, uh, you know, get back at it in in, in 2021. And, uh, you know, and for all the fans listening, you know, Happy New Year's, as as Jeff echoed earlier to all the fans. And uh, thank you for listening. And and, and we're looking forward to bigger and better things for everyone in 2021. And we're going to get all through this together.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, And my New Year's resolution, just like you guys, I'm going to get in better shape hopefully uh go out and uh you know if 2021 is the the final countdown the final tour of terrific tony uh i want to go out with a bang so uh so that that's my goal too to get better shape and just be an all-around better person uh try to be more understanding to my friends and family and uh not just think about myself um and travel more and I've already got a a trip planned Uh, as a matter of fact I've got a couple trips planned I'm leaving in the morning to go to Atlanta GA walk down Bad Street one more time but uh, taking the family down there for a couple days and then in February I am going out to Sin City I'm going to try my luck in in Las Vegas Uh, we're doing a little couples uh, I say a couples retreat but my wife says no the guys are going to gamble the women are going to lay by the pool But whatever the event, it's going to be fun, Uh, and uh, hopefully, uh, like you guys say, COVID will be uh, over with and done, and we can uh, get back to uh, our normal lives, and uh, Chris and I are going to be starting a new podcast, Um, and Jeff, you're welcome to come be on the guest on on that show as well, Um, but we're going to be talking heavy metal rock and roll uh, of the 80s. The show is going to be based off just 1980s music only. Uh, so we're going to be talking that. So I'm excited to get that launched. Uh, I think that launches, uh, the middle of January. So kind of excited about that. And the binge buster show will be going into season three. So I'm gonna be a busy man next year, a couple podcasts. Um, uh, and who knows what else might happen, but, uh, but, uh, Jeff and Chris, I want to thank you guys again so much for all your time and energy, uh, and, um, and, uh, everything that you guys put into, um, our podcast and, uh, next year, hope, hopefully we'll have some, uh, merchandise that we can sell and I can, uh, help, uh, uh, you know, make a little money for the podcast and for Jeff and Chris. And, uh, so it's, it's going to be an exciting time. I'm, I'm excited about what 2021 is going to hold for us.
0: Yeah. Looking forward to it. My pleasure, Tony, anytime. And, uh, Glad to talk uh, professional wrestling with you all and anything else that might come on the uh, plate as well each and every week we get together.
2: Yeah, same here.
1: It's always fun. Well, uh, guys, uh, again, happy New Year's to you. Binge Buster listeners out there, make sure you go like us on our Facebook page and uh, uh, download every uh, episode when it airs. Um, and uh, our next episode will, will be in the new year 2021. So, uh, everybody, uh, be safe. Uh, and, uh, we will see you next year here on the binge buster show.
0: Thank you for listening to the binge buster show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.